This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. For our teaching time today, we're going to go over the gospel passage from St. Luke. And a good question is this. What if our culture had changed and our businessmen and our politicians would be honest? What if our movies turned out to be clean and there was no longer any pornographic films? What if there was no more human trafficking and what if there were no more drugs? What if there was no more abuse? And what if you shared the gospel with someone and they were eager to listen? And what if the whole world could be united in praise to God? Those are some really good what if questions, aren't they? Now, our gospel passage today gives us a slight hint at how we can do our part to possibly make stuff like that happen. And it starts out where the Lord is appointing 72 others to send them out ahead of him where he was going to go. And then he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, what we're talking about here in this passage is the practical application of the discipleship terms that Jesus set forth in Luke 9, 57 to 60, 62, where he says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And then he's told this other guy, leave the dead to bury their own dead. And then at the end he says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So that means there's no better deal anywhere else and we don't and God's not going to renegotiate the contract in terms of serving him. We are to serve him completely and fully. And how do we see that? Well, he sent out 72. Now what this means is that Jesus had more followers at that time, loyal faithful followers than just those 12 guys. Of course one of one of those 12 didn't turn out so good, but he had more faithful followers than just the 12 guys that followed him around everywhere. And he sent them out, how? Two by two. two, by two. Why did he do that? That's one. They can help each other out, give each other moral support. If one starts faltering, the other one can gate and say, speak up. But there's another reason, and it's found in the law. And it's where the testimony of one witness is held up by two people. So if there's two of them there testifying about the Messiahship of Jesus, that validates the testimony because there are two witnesses. Now, he sent them to the towns where Jesus hadn't visited yet. Now, we've got to go back to the verse 2. 
Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he says the harvest is plentiful. What does he mean by that? What we're supposed to do is pray for that harvest. Jesus commanded them to pray and the work before them was great and could not be accomplished without much prayer. Specifically, they were to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This speaks powerfully to the need to pray for the work of evangelism. How many of us are tempted to want to go out and do something great for God, but we just kind of forget to pray about it before we get started? Jesus said, uh-uh, that's a no-no. Well, he didn't literally say that, but that's what he means. Pray before you get started. The need for workers in the work of the evangelism is big. The calling of God for the work of the harvest is to send them out. The nature of the harvest is participation. That means we're all a part of this deal. And the need to recognize whom the harvest belongs to. It belongs to Jesus. We are to pray that the Lord would send out laborers. Now, the Greek is much more forcible. It is that he would push them forward and thrust them out. It is the same word which is used for the expulsion of a devil from a man possessed. It takes great power to drive out a devil, and it, we will need equal power from God to push out and go do the work of an evangelist. And that's another quote from guess who? Come on, you guys know me better than that. Spurgeon, Spurgeon of course. All right. Now, the harvest is plentiful. Do we believe that? Do we believe there's a lot of people out there who actually, whether they realize it or not, are ready to hear the gospel? So it's our task to go find them. But if we're going to be praying for workers in the harvest, let's not be surprised about one small tiny detail. And that is that we might be the answer to our own prayers for working in the harvest. And I know that a lot of you just went out when, when you heard that. But we got to focus on the harvest and pray for the workers. We got to pray that there will be people get out, who will get out there. And where were they going? They were going to the towns where Jesus was about to go. What does that tell us in terms of a practical application for today, besides the fact that we're all supposed to be witnessing? What does that tell us? That the towns where Jesus was going to go. It means that there are people who have not heard the gospel. And that is even in this country, right here. There are people in our own country, maybe even next door to us, who have not heard the gospel. And you can say, how is that possible? There are those little signs along the way, along the highway that say Jesus or hell and stuff like that. There's a, churches in all the towns. We have Christian bookstores, Christian radio stations. Matter of fact, there's three Christian radio stations in Boston now. And there's one up in Fitchburg. And we have Christian television stations out the ears. How is it that people have not heard? It's still possible. Now, remember about, say, 20, 25 years ago, we were in Antioch, Illinois. And it was Christmas time. And I took a, some Christmas lights and put a cross in the window of our apartment. And then one evening I went out 
and there was a crowd gathered around. They were doing something because there had been an, like an accident at the corner or something. They were standing out there talking about it. And I kind of walked out there and said hello to them. And this one man looked up at our window and saw the cross and he said to me, what does that mean? Now, does that tell you that even in our uber-Christian United States, that there are people who still don't know and have not heard, or if they have heard, they didn't understand it. But they are out there. Now, Jesus sent them out as lambs among the wolves. He told them, don't carry a knapsack or any of that other stuff. Why did he say that? He didn't want them to be distracted by their possessions, by carrying their stuff around. When you go somewhere, what's your first, when you get to a hotel, what's your first thing you want to do? You want to put your suitcase in the room and get, get situated, right? Well, he didn't want them to be distracted with stuff like that. And not only that, there was a higher purpose. He wanted those men, all of them, to learn how to rely on him for their sustenance and their supply. Don't take any food. Don't take an extra tunic. In our parlance, that means don't take a pair of extra pair of tennis shoes. Don't pack a picnic lunch. Just go. And the Lord will provide. And then Jesus gives them the term of that provision. He says, whenever you go to a house and they welcome you, and if a son of peace is there, say, peace be with you. And then he also tells them this, don't greet anyone on the road. Now we say, well, that doesn't sound very friendly. But what he's talking about there is not getting bogged down in the minutiae and getting distracted by carrying on conversation, lengthy conversations with people. Because there's always the temptation to do that. Have you ever been in the checkout line at the grocery store and started a conversation with the person behind you? And then when it was time for you to pay, they kept talking. And you were distracted from what you were trying to do. That's why he said don't greet anybody on the road. He didn't want them to be distracted from small talk or by small talk. Now, key point here. The one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. So what does this tell us? It tells us that if you're sharing the gospel and they don't want to hear it and they reject what you have to say, don't take it personally. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the gospel. They're rejecting Jesus again, maybe. They're not, they don't have anything personal against you, especially if you just met them. They haven't had enough time to find something wrong with you yet. They, however, they're going to be rejecting the message and not the messenger. So don't get all shy and, oh, I can't do that. What if they don't want to hear me? Well, find somebody else and talk to them if they don't want to hear you. Because they're not rejecting you. It's not a personal slight and it's not an insult. Now, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. But what does Jesus Tell those guys, he says he saw Satan get kicked out of heaven. But then 
He, he gave them power, and he said, don't be too caught up in all of that. I remember there was another time when I was at some revival prayer meeting. It's been several years ago, and it was at a church in Boston. And we were there, and it was time for the prayer time. After the revival prayer time had ended, it was time for the closing prayer. Someone came up to me and asked me to lay hands on them and pray. I said, okay. You know, kind of hesitantly there. But then I put my right hand on their head and they fell down. Now, I was creeped out by that, I admit. But the point is, don't get bogged down by the excitement of what may happen. Don't get taken with all the things that you found that you are able to do. Don't get distracted by all that stuff. Jesus was them getting at the point that keep the main thing the main thing. Remember that you're my servant and that your name is written in heaven. In other words, Jesus said, don't get wowed by all the gifts and things that you can show other people. Remember who you are and remember whose you are. Focus on that. If we keep our eyes on Jesus and keep focused and keep the main thing, the main thing. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your power for living.